Welcome to the Military OneSource podcast. Military OneSource is an official program of the Defense Department with tools, information, and resources to help families navigate all aspects of military life. For more information, visit militaryonesource.mil. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moody. My guest today is Army Master Sergeant Ivan Marrera. As a Special Forces medic, he was wounded during a mission in Afghanistan. We'll hear his story, which includes him competing in the Warrior Games, and we'll talk about resilience and what it took to overcome a life-changing injury. Master Sergeant Ivan Marrera, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. Uh, we've been looking forward to this interview for some time. So let's jump right into it. Y- you joined the Army in 2001. And what I'd like for you to do is to describe those first years. What did you do and what inspired you to join Army Special Forces? So, like you said, I, I enlisted in uh, 2001. Actually, it was a couple of months before 9-11. I went through basic training. I went through the combat medic course in San Antonio. And I was actually in that course when 9-11 happened. I graduated the course. I was assigned to an infantry battalion at Fort Carson, Colorado. And we ended up deploying to Kuwait for six months. And then we came back. And then about a year later, we were deploying for the invasion of Iraq. During that deployment, I got to see an actual special forces team come into our fire base and the 18 delta the special forces medic actually came up to our battalion physicians assistant and i heard them talking and they were talking in medical terms i was like oh wow that's so cool and i also saw how they had you know beards and they had a really cool uniform and a cool combat vest and i was just like wow these guys are really cool and i asked my pa like what are the, who are those guys oh those are green braids i was like ooh i want to do that so we got back from the deployment in 2004, and uh, I spent six months preparing for the Special Forces. And I went in February of 2005. Um, it was a pretty, it was pretty tough three weeks. Went, got through it, and I got selected to be a Special Forces medic, 18 Delta. Um, waited six months, and uh, started the qualification course at Fort Bragg. I spent two years in the uh, Special Forces qualification course. I graduated and I was assigned to seven special forces groups. So I've, I've enjoyed my career as a special forces Green Beret. It's a world unto itself. I think that even those of us who served in uniform, special forces is a world unto itself. I do want to talk about your injury, which was on August 16th, 2013. And we spoke before this interview and you said that you would be willing to share this story. And if you are still comfortable with this, I I would like you to uh, share the details of that day. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, speaking about it is very cathartic for me. And I let go of a lot of anxiety and other things I'm holding every time I speak about it. So I'm always open whenever anybody asks me. So uh, 2013, I'm on uh, ODA 7434. And um, we're conducting combat operations with the Afghani commandos, which is uh, their version of Rangers. August 16, 2013, we were conducting a um, convoy to, to conduct an operation when a uh, Taliban insurgent on a motorcycle came up 
to my driver's side tire. I was actually driving the vehicle. And I could see the printing of the suicide vest on him. So I went ahead and uh, moved away from him to the right. And he followed me. And uh, I went ahead and moved away again. And on the fourth time I moved away, um, I actually came off the road. So I went ahead and tried to get back on the road. And however, I lost control of the vehicle and my uh, vehicle flipped. The guys in the vehicle behind me told me our, our vehicle flipped four times. And on the first flip, uh, my driver's side door actually broke off and shot like 100 meters uh, in front of the truck. And during that, I was knocked unconscious. I was, I was strapped in with a five-point harness, which actually saved my life. But um, I was knocked unconscious, so my arms were just flaring around. And on the fourth roll, we landed. And my left hand was crushed between the vehicle and the ground. I don't know how long I was unconscious for. I woke up and I saw what was left of my hand. And I called out to my team sergeant who was in the passenger seat, you know, um, my hand, my hand. So he unbuckled himself. He tried to pull me out, but I was stuck. So he, he cut off my body armor. He disconnected the, uh, the harness and called in my uh, junior medic because I was a senior medic on the team. And he comes in and he's, you know, I had two tourniquets put on me, one by my team sergeant and one by the junior medic. And he's like, hey, Ivan, I, I got to cut what's left of your hand to pull you out. And I just told him, just get me out of here. So he took out his trauma shears and cut what was left of my hand. And they pulled me out. And I was going in and out of consciousness. I could feel them pulling me out of the vehicle. I could feel myself laying on the litter. And I remember waking up saying, what happened? What happened? And I saw what was left of my arm and it was very traumatic. I was like, where's the bird? Uh, where's the, the helicopter? As we say, one of my teammates was like, Hey, five mics out, five mics out, five minutes. And I, I go unconscious again. I just remember feeling the rotor wash on my face. I could feel my teammate covering my face with his body as the uh, helicopter landed. And then I just w remember waking up uh in the uh, hospital in kandahar just looking at what was left of my arm it was really hard uh hard to look at i just remember crying being upset my teammates being there hey ivan you're gonna be okay you know you're gonna go home you're gonna be okay we'll see you when we get home my battalion commander sergeant major and the chaplain were there encouraging me they'll be fine you'll be okay and then uh with that after it wasn't just me injured, it was me, the EOD tech, and the gunner in the truck were all injured, and we were all medevaced out of there. And immediately after the medevac, that insurgent came around and detonated himself and injured several other people on my team. Uh, my team sergeant caught a lot of shrapnel to his right leg. He actually almost lost his leg, but uh, he was medevaced out as well. We ended up uh, at the hospital in Kandahar together. A couple other guys were injured. Uh, one guy took shrapnel to the abdomen. He lost about 12 inches of intestine. Nobody died that day, but it was a rough day for those teams. I just remember waking up and uh, it was just hard. Right then, it was just, it was a shocking to me. And then uh, I was transferred over to another hospital in Bagram. I was there for 24 hours and then transferred to Longstuhl in Germany. Uh, so I ended up flying out to San Antonio. And um, I was there for 10 months. Amazing. 
So you're at the Brook Army Medical Center. What were your first days like? The first day was uh, just a blur. I just remember um, doctors coming in and taking a look at me. But it was the second night there was the hardest. I I started realizing, oh my gosh, uh, and I was left-handed. Uh, so I just remember, oh my gosh, I, I just lost my, my left hand. And I had started feeling sorry for myself. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to support my family? You know, how am I going to live this way? And then I'm a man of faith. So I remember hearing a voice in my head saying, Ivan, it's okay. I got you. And I knew right there I was going to be good. So at that time, I just started making goals. And this is like two, three in the morning because I couldn't sleep because my personal time, if you will, you know, I was still set on Afghani time. I was just in a lot of lot of pain. I couldn't sleep. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make goals. So I was like, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm just going to go walk around the floor. And then the next day I'm going to go do a workout. And then the next day I'm going to go, you know, walk outside. I just started making these small, you know, short term goals. And then I was like, okay, what are we going to do in six months? I was like, okay, I'm going to be in re, you know, physical therapy. I'm going to go home and I'm going to redeploy with a team. That really didn't happen, but it was a goal I had set for myself so I could plan how I was going to reach that goal. Then I made a year long goal, a five year goal. I just started making goals. So I had something to reach for. I had purpose. I wasn't just going to sit around and feel sorry for myself. I was going to get better. I was not going to let this beat me. You know, I was like, Hey, me and the man are going to do it together. And 10 years later, you know, here I am as a adaptive military athlete now. But uh, it was just about setting goals those first couple of days. And when you say that you're an adaptive military athlete, we're referring to the Warrior Games, which you just very recently competed in. How did that start for you? When did you first hear of the Warrior Games? And when when did you decide that it was time or for you to compete or appropriate for you to compete in these games? I spent about eight years after my injury working on being operational, you know, being able to deploy, being able to conduct missions. And then about summer of 2020 and my time on the teams were done. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I had a Sergeant Major say, Hey, there's an opening for the warrior care program. You know, they need a non-commissioned officer in charge for one of their uh, regions. And I was like, Oh, I'll take that job. So I took the job as the Southern Region NCOIC, and I found out about adaptive sports. And I saw that, you know, there are all kinds of sports. I had been an athlete uh, most of my teenage and early 20s, wrestling, judo, jujitsu, things like that. I was, I was competing in tournaments and practicing. And, you know, now that I was a bit older and, you know, with the injury, I was like, man, I could do this. I can do indoor rowing. I can do archery. I can play seated volleyball. I can do these. I can do these. So I was invited to a, uh, a training camp down at uh, McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. I actually tried out for almost every sport, but I really fell in love with rowing and archery. Those are my two favorite uh, individual sports. And I remember playing beach volleyball as a young man, and I really enjoyed uh, playing volleyball as a team sport. So I was like, hey, these are the sports I want to do. And then I got into uh, field sports, uh, shot put and discus. I had never done that. And the field coach was like, hey, you want to give it a shot? I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I'm competing in that as well. You know, so I was just open to almost, you know, any sport just to do something, just to have purpose again. Because once I left the teams, I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to occupy my free time? 
So now I just train to compete in these adaptive sporting events like the Warrior Games. I've I competed in the 2021 Warrior Games uh, Virtual Challenge. I competed in, in the actual Warrior Games at, at Disney last year in 2022. And then I competed this year in the Warrior Games Challenge in San Diego. And I had a great time because part of being, uh, you know, Green Berets, you're on a 12-man team and you build this brotherhood, this camaraderie with all the guys on your team, you know, and it becomes, it's about not yourself, but it becomes to your brother, to your left and right. What are you going to do to help them succeed? What are you going to do to bring them home through combat? So when I got, when I was selected to join Team SOCOM, I had that feeling again, like, man, I'm on a team again. I have brothers and sisters now that I can relate to and talk to. And I just got that sense of family again. So I was like, man, I really like this. This is what I want to do <laughs> till I retire. So, you know, now that being on Team SOCOM has been a great honor because I've got to meet a bunch of other service members. I've got to meet a couple of Navy SEALs, a couple of Rangers. So it, it's really cool to to talk to them and train with them uh, and just conduct uh, sports and just, you know, meet their families and get to know them personally. To what degree is the community itself what is that community able to provide you that the rest of us are not? You build this camaraderie, this closeness, this brotherhood with the other guys. You know, you become family with their families and they become family with your family. And I kind of lost that a little bit. And then now that I'm on Team SOCOM, I have that again. You know, I have that, that closeness with other guys who are injured as well because we can relate to each other. You know, like when somebody's having a bad day, you know, hey. Come on, suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. We got to train. We can talk to each other like that because we can relate. If anybody else talked to me like that, it, I wouldn't be very happy about it. But, you know, I can have another Green Beret, Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, MARSOC operator. You know, it doesn't bother me because, you know what, we're so much alike. It's like, yeah, okay, you're right. You know what? Stop feeling sorry for myself. Let's go. Let's get on the court. Let's get on the rower. Things like that. You know, I, I can relate to them better. Help me through understanding the games themselves. Specifically, I'm really interested in the competition because when you're on the rower, it's about delivering your personal best. You're just giving it everything. But I'm interested in your thoughts about competing with other athletes because you're in this community, you're supporting each other, but then you get on the court and you're in competition with each other. What is that competition and that brotherhood look like and feel like during the games? So the games play a big part in the recovery of, you know, I would say all of the service members from each branch. We're all brothers and sisters in arms. You know, we've all, you know, raised our right hand and uh, swore to protect this country. So that creates a bond between us. But then when you're on the court or you're on the rower or you're on the archery field, now it's like, okay, you know, it's competition time. You know, hey, these guys are great, but I got to do what I got to do to win, you know? And it's just a personal thing because especially in special operations, we're highly competitive. We always want to be the best at what we do. And that's why we're constantly training and honing our skills, you know, on the field, on the court, on the rower. It's like, hey, I got to do what I got to do to represent my branch, bring home the gold for them. But after the games, it's like, hey, come on over here, Marine. Let me give you a hug, you know, stuff like that. You know, we become brothers and sisters again. And uh, just like with any other family, you know, you, you got people you get along with and people you don't. But it just builds that sense of family and camaraderie because there's something about being in the military that bonds people together. 
you know, whatever you might do, wh- whether you're a special operator, whether you're a support service member, it doesn't matter. We all raised our right hand and swore to protect this country. So that's what we have in common. And I just enjoy being around other service members and veterans. You know, I would like as an aside to discuss wheelchair rugby. Sure. Uh, Because I just encourage people to, you know, you can go online and and watch these games and, and, and probably the epitome of what it means to compete and support a brotherhood. (laughs) There's nothing more, frankly, amazing than wheelchair rugby. I mean, just the concept alone, I I encourage people, but can you describe what this uh, sport is and how people both compete and support each other when they're engaged in this sport? Sure. So, you know, wheelchair rugby is rugby played, obviously, in a wheelchair. Rules are kind of different, but it's a fast, explosive, violent sport. You know, we got people bashing each other with the wheelchairs. The object, obviously, is to take the ball and get it across the goal line. You know, there's different tactics and techniques that we use uh, against our opponents. But it's just that feeling like, I'm going to get this dude. Just because, you know, just like if anybody plays American football, you know, it's like, hey, you got to hit him hard, you know. And it's just about, you know, getting hit and hitting him back. But there's no animosity. You know, there's no anger after the game. It's just a good, hard-fought game. And it builds that brotherhood and that sisterhood among the service members. Because it's like, man, you hit me good, man. No, no, you hit me harder. You know, just like that. And I've had the opportunity to play for Team SOCOM. I played for Team SOCOM this year. You know, and I got I got a couple of hits in. I got hit a bunch of times. But it's fun. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, that guy hit me hard. You know, that was, that's pretty cool. You know, it's just building that family on the court, especially with the team you're playing with. You know, you're like, hey, he hit my buddy. I got to get him back. I absolutely encourage people to uh, just have a look at this sport. It'll sort of be your your gateway to the Warrior Games, and then, then oh, you'll yeah. be hooked. Yeah, that's the most pop- popular team sport. Yeah. You know, let me transition. The Warrior Games is not necessarily a celebration of the completion of your rehabilitation, your, 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 your building back. It's more of a process. As you are continuing to work through your goals, short-term and long, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on resilience and what this concept means to you. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, I think it just starts with the person. It's like, what do I want to change in my life? How bad do I want to reach this goal? What do I need to get to where I'm going? Who can I turn to for help? That's the first step is like, hey, I need help. You get the help you need. And then you start developing a plan like, hey, you know what? I just want to get out of bed this morning. Hey, you know what? Let's just sit up on the bed. Just take steps. You know what? Let's go ahead and walk to the kitchen and let's make ourselves a cup of coffee. Okay, let's do that. Let's go outside. Hey, I went outside. Let's let's take a walk. You have to want it. You know, you have to want your life be better. You just got to want it. That, that's how I look at it. You have to get out of whatever hole you're in. You have to start climbing and you got to reach and call for help because there are people that will get in the hole with you and push you out. And I've been very fortunate to have family that have been very supportive teammates that have been very supportive and a lot of friends uh, that have been supportive uh, to get me to where I'm at today. I think that's the message. And I think that we'll, uh, we'll end on that note. Army Master Sergeant Ivan Marrera, thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been an honor. 
I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and hopefully what we've talked about helps somebody out there to take the turn for the better in their life. I also hope for the same. Thank you. Uh, the honor is ours as well. Thank you. And uh, want to remind everybody that uh, Military One Source is an official resource of the Defense Department. And uh, we hope to hear from you. If there's something that you heard today that uh, you'd like to leave a message, if you have a question for us, uh, uh, there's a link in the program notes and you can go and send us a note. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, because we cover a wide range of topics to help military families navigate military life. I'm Bruce Moody. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care. Bye-bye.